Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live. I pray that you are well and God is blessing in your life. Um, as you know, we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our lives and also so that we can accomplish the purpose of our lives. And so today um, we're going to do a study um that I think you're really going to appreciate. But before we go into it, I do want to let you know that we have some resources up at lovewalk.substack.com and there's actually more to come. It's actually a graphic um, that sort of allows you to use scriptures to help you with overcoming different things in your life, to help you with challenges. And so I have used this system myself. I, I hate to call it a system, but it kind of is. Is, but I've used this method myself and so I took a little time and I sat down and tried to figure out a way to um, put it on paper in a way that other people could use it so um, it's actually going to be downloadable you'll be able to download it right now it's just a graphic a PNG file um, at Substack um, I'm actually working on getting the downloadable file so please um, bear with me the second thing um, is that there will be more resources pertaining to this and we'll have opportunities for going through it and opportunities if you want to chat with me if you need me to pray with you and this will um, you know give you some opportunities to kind of um, process things sometimes we need people um, to kind of hear us out and I can tell you um, I would be happy to support you in that so go ahead and grab your Bible we are going to read in 1st John chapter 1 verse 14 first john is probably one of my favorite books in the entire bible and yes you guessed it i kind of feel like it's the book of love and i know you know maybe that's not what you call it but i call it that because it deals so thoroughly with love there's i don't think there's any other book in the Bible that's so replete and complete on the subject of love, and that's 1 John. But we're gonna read 1 John, we're gonna read chapter one, and we're gonna read verse 14. So our anchor text is really, um, it's really short, um, but I think that you will appreciate it. And this is a message for you. I don't care who you are, this is a message for you. You can use this message no matter who you are, you can apply it anywhere in your life and it will bless you. So let's go ahead and read 1 John chapter 1 and we're going to read verse 14 and it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm going to read that one more time and it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, grace and truth. So I think this is a great uh, scripture, and if you can read this in context, I think you'll be blessed by it as well, because, you know, like I said, First John is just quite frankly amazing. So let's go right back to um, what we want to talk about. We want to talk about what it says there. We want to talk about that word being made flesh and understand that 
that word being made flesh was Christ. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Now in some translations, they call him Jesus. You know, I'm not entirely sure what the reasoning was on that. Um, maybe it was like a, you know, way that people could say the name better or whatever. But Emmanuel is his name. And the reason that's important for us is because it means God with us. The word dwell in this verse that we just read, it actually means in the Hebrew, it means to dwell in tents. Okay. I think that's really very interesting. It means to dwell in tents. And so God did not want to dwell in a fancy temple or in a high hill on a city because a lot of times you've heard of the mountain of God or, um, you know, the Mount Zion and all of these things where God would sort of rest, his, his presence would rest. Well, we have to understand God didn't want to dwell in those things, even though that was something that happened of old. People would go to the mountain, if you can remember, with Moses. But this was not God's ideal. This was not God's ideal. So this idea of God being this untouchable figure in a temple, in a mountain, in a hill somewhere is not what God wanted. It is not his ideal. And as we look at the New Testament, the New Covenant, we see how he made it better. He made it more perfect to what he wanted. And he wanted to dwell in our neighborhoods. He wanted to dwell in our cities. He wanted to dwell in you so that you knew that he was always with you. And that's really the fundamental thing. A lot of, you know, there are a lot of religions out there in the world and they present the gods as these great things. And I'm not saying God is not, but he is a God that wants to dwell with you. And I want to point out as we look at this verse, when God gives something a name, it has special meaning about the qualities and the nature of a thing. And we see this with Jacob becoming Israel. We see this with Simon becoming Peter. Um, when he came to Mary, the mother of Jesus, he said, his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. This signified something very important about his presence on earth and his work as a high priest. Now remember, we did a study um, that talked about Christ now being our high priest. I think it's called The Purpose of Purpose. It's a Bible study. I'll try to link it here if I can remember it, guys. But it talks about Jesus Christ being our high priest. And so there is this advocating that he is doing on our behalf on the right hand of the Father. That's exactly what he said he was going to do as a high priest. If we can remember, the high priest goes in behind the veil. So let's look at what it says about Emmanuel the Christ, Emmanuel the Anointed. It says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 14 and 16, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, it says, Seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. 
for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you can understand the rich language that's being used in Hebrews um, and how it talks about coming before a throne of grace, I'm sorry, a throne of mercy to obtain grace and help in time of need, that that language just articulates, it, it, it connects with the concept of the priest going behind the veil with the censer and approaching the mercy seat and Christ you know, going um, to be our high priest, to advocate before the Father on our behalf. This is really powerful language. And so it's teaching us that he has, that we can find grace. We can obtain grace and, I'm sorry, obtain mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. Not just grace, but mercy. And not just mercy, but grace. In the storm, we can find it. In the shadow, we can find it. In the valley, we can find that. And that's what it's telling us that we have with Christ. I want you to look at Mark chapter 16, verse 19. It says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. He's there as an advocate there for us. An advocate is kind of like a lawyer or, you know, some kind of person who's speaking on your behalf, a social worker, you know, someone who's advocating for your case, for your position. He's interceding on our behalf with the Father. That means when things are happening and going on in our lives and we're making mistakes and we're doing things and we don't know what to do, Christ is up there in the ear of God saying, I know how that was. This is why he did that. I know how that was. This is why she did that. Have mercy on them. They are trying to do this. I know how difficult that is. Help them to do that. Give them grace in that. Charis. So I think it's important to understand what he's doing. He's not just sitting up there twiddling his thumbs or enjoying, you know, the spoils of heaven. He's advocating for you and I. And I want us to uh, understand this, that God gave Mary specific instructions about the naming of Christ because of the specific way he would interact with us. His name was the anointed Emmanuel, the one with us, God with us. And I want to show you something in Luke. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. It says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This was one of the greatest gifts we could receive because we were not only redeemed, but introduced to our new kingdom and connected to God once again in the same way that allowed man to hear the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the garden. Do you Have you ever heard the voice of the Lord walking in your soul? A, a, a comfort, a knowing, an understanding of things to come up uh, of grace, of truth, of peace, to know that everything would be okay. You see, the God 
around us, who created everything, who loved us, sent his son, the God, with us. And when Emmanuel had done his work, I want you to think about this, he sent the Holy Spirit, the God that is in us. So the Spirit crying, Abba, Father, on our behalf, it says that in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 16, we have this threefold experience. We have this experience with the God who is around us, who loves us and created everything. The God who came to be with us, that word made flesh as we saw in 1 John. And then also we saw the God in us, the, the, the Holy Spirit who speaks only those things that he hears from the Father. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 16. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, that is what you have to understand. We make all these speak spooky ideas about what is the sons of God? Who are the sons of God? Those who are led by the Spirit of God? Why do you think he called those people back in those days the sons of God? Because they were led by the Spirit of God. And if you are led by the Spirit of God, then you are children of God. You are sons. And if sons, then you have access to the kingdom and to his inheritance. The Spirit is crying on our behalf because we have become sons. And I will prove it and back that up with scripture. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we should, but the Spirit itself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 26. That is powerful. Do you understand what that's saying? That spirit that is within you is praying for you because you are sons now and you are crying, Abba, Father. So when you can't pray, when you don't know what to pray, the spirit is praying for you, making intercessions for you. It's talking about things you know and things you don't know. So the Spirit is, it's, it's, it's looking out for us. It's maintaining us. It's, it's ensuring that we are growing, that we are living. That is why you have to be yielded to the Spirit. That's why you don't want to quench the Spirit because it's such a powerful advocate working, living on your behalf in the earth with you right now. And you know why? Because God is with us and he is in us. And that very God who is love is praying for you. Think about this now. The very God, his essence, the spirit of God is praying for you because he loves you so much. He's not going to let you go or let you fall. There will be some close calls, okay? <clears throat> That's what I have to say. There'll be some close calls. I'm not going to, you know, make it seem like there won't be. There won't. I'm not saying there won't be difficult times. But God with us and within us and above us will never leave us. 
let's not forget what Christ was trying to teach the disciples in the ship in the storm. Do you remember that? He was trying to teach them the meaning of his name. Okay? Sometimes we forget that Emmanuel is the answer. It's the answer. When you're praying, Lord, this is happening. I have this challenge. There's this problem. I don't know about that. The answer is Emmanuel. God with us. Lord, I lost my job. The answer is God with us. Lord, my child is sick. The answer is God with us. Lord, I'm afraid. The answer is God with us. Lord, I don't know what to do. The answer is God with us. The next time you pray and you don't think God heard you, remember his name. God is with us. God is with you. That's why the ship didn't sink. That's why the snake bite didn't work. It's why the chains didn't hold. It's why the fiery furnace didn't burn. It's why the lion did not consume. Know this for a fact. Sometimes we don't know how he will come through for us. But like that ship in the storm, God is with us. I like how it says that Christ was asleep in the hold or asleep in the ship. When people are asleep, they're really still. And unless he snored, which I doubt, but maybe, um, you wouldn't even know he was there. It seems he's completely inactive. He's not saying anything. And how many times have we felt that way about God? But the answer was that if God is with us, the ship is not going down, even if he is asleep on it, even if you can't hear from him and it seems like God is asleep. Have you ever had times in your life you kept asking God and asking God and it seemed like he was asleep? Lord, carest thou that we perish? Do you care that I'm falling? Do you care that I'm in this trouble? Do you care that I have this struggle? Do you care that I'm facing this mountain? The answer when you can't hear God is that God is with us. That ship in Matthew chapter 8 verse 24, that's us. That's us now. That hold is our heart. That storm is whatever is happening in your life. The God with us in that ship was demonstrating for believers to come that the Holy Spirit, the God within us, was the same God that would not let that ship sink with the disciples. You have to remember that. Even if you can't seem to hear, you don't know, it doesn't seem like he's saying anything, he is always the answer because he's with you, regardless of what it may be. Do you remember when the disciples came to him and they ran upon him and they said, Lord, do you care? They should have remembered his name. When Paul and the crew were being shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta, the answer there was Emmanuel, God with us. In the silences of life, the answer is always Emmanuel, God with us. Will we sink in the storm? God is with you. God being with us is not merely a feature of the story. It is the entire point of the story. It is the predestined outcome. God with us is the point of it all. Even in the Old Testament, 
in the first, in the fiery furnace. Do you remember the fourth man? I think that's brilliant. He's been trying to get us to see this from the beginning. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. That is powerful. The form of the fourth is like the Son of God. What are they telling you? Wasn't it the Son of God that came down to be with us? The fourth man is always God with you. You think you're alone? God is with you. There's another man in the boat. There's another man in the car. There's another man in your house. There's another man in your calamity. There is another man in your trial. There is a man in your hold that will make sure your ship does not go down. And that is so important for you to understand that God is with you, that that the answer is God with us. And the fact is that the God who is love will never, never leave you. And I want to read to you the final part of this verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39 so you know this God who loves you with all of his heart will never leave you the Emmanuel it says for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friend, I am persuaded God is with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. I pray you know that God is with you and he blesses you. Thank you. Bye.